This is Serge Vicente, the host of the Fight Podcast. Welcome to episode 149, man. Yeah, we're moving right along, man. Uh, I'm, it's funny. I'm listening to the music and everything while I get started, and I feel like I'm double-dutching. For those of us who didn't grow up in the hood or anything, double-dutch, obviously. Two jump ropes, two little black girls going back and forth, making it happen. Uh, <laughs> at least that's how it was for me. So uh, I kicked it off, and I always feel like I'm double-dutching between the music and stuff and trying to jump in. I'm not sure when I should start. I'm usually sitting here by myself for a couple other people in here, but at the end of the day, I'm always nervous to start, man. But I'm excited. And I feel like I always say I'm excited, but I am. And I'm always hype when I have so many amazing fights to talk about. Yo, happy week, everybody. You know, I hope no matter where, what day and whatever you're hearing it, hope you guys had an amazing weekend. Uh, There was a lot of great fights. So many awesome fights. Uh, Obviously, we had UFC Tampa. Amazing card there. We had the card here in Chicago, headlined by the the new heavyweight um, Usyk. Uh, we also had One Century, their huge two events in one day event there in Tokyo. Amazing cards back and forth. Man, combat sports, I love it. You gotta love it. And if you love it, that's why you're here listening to the number one combat sports and culture show in the universe you heard it here first good people this is by far the best show in the universe and uh i'm the best host in the universe too man there is nobody who does combat sports and culture better than me so if this is what you're here to listen to yo you're in the right spot man um this weekend yo i'm just gonna go ahead and jump into it we had an amazing fight and i want to kick it off with even though it was in Florida, it looked nice and warm down there. I know it's finally feeling like fall up here in Chicago. I'm wearing my hoodie and my jackets and my boots. I'm over here bringing the Gore-Tex back out. But uh, at the end of the day, they were in Florida. They were in Tampa. Everybody looked like they had a great tan. And uh, man, Joanna Janjacek looks like the boogie woman is back. Man, Joanna Janjacek, the former five-time strawweight champion in the UFC, um, went out there and fought against the always tough, grizzled vet in uh, Michelle Waterson. Michelle Waterson was ranked number seven. She has been on a tear. I talked about it last time out, man. She's, she's on the verge of becoming the mom champ, out there trying to make everything happen. Um, she has been, like I said, on absolute tear, beating huge opponents, beating people like Felice Herrick and more, man, just on a huge tear. If she won this, everyone, including myself, believed that she probably would attain a title shot. But she had to go against Ioana Janjacek, whom, even though a lot of us have seen and have commented on her being a little bit of a schneid, she's still is one of the best in the world. And she did a number of different things in this fight that really, to me, made me stand up and say, yo, the boogie woman is back. And look, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I am biased in terms of Ioana and Jacek because I'm be honest with you. She's probably my favorite female fighter of all time. I love the fighting style, obviously, 
but the demeanor, her selling a fight. And when they walked out there into that sold out arena, once again, this is a card that had amazing knockouts, had amazing come from behind victories, had everything you would have wanted in a big headlining event. And then the main event happens and you see the camera ESPN is doing his thing again. It's, it's skying over everything. And the camera zooms into Ioana and Jacek. And from a crouching stance, she stands up and she flashes her mouthpiece that says Polka on uh, uh, Polka. I don't know how they say my Polish brethren's here in Chicago. Um, yo, for real quick, huge Polish population here in Chicago. So I know all the MMA fans in Chicago were going nuts because once she flashed that and she looked into the camera, fam, I was excited. I couldn't believe I knew in that very moment that she was back. Forget all of the, and I know everybody this upcoming week was talking about how her, yo, she hit up the UFC and said she might not make weight. I'm hearing people talk about, oh, it's because she got a boob job. Stop it. Stop it. Let, let's rewind real quick. And I'm going to go ahead and really pretty much straighten out all the pervs that we're talking about, oh, she's missing weight because of her boob job. First and foremost, she didn't end up missing weight. She said that just to get in her opponent's head. She, obviously, she wanted a, you know, if it could be easier or whatever, but at the end of the day, she's a professional. She's never missed weight in the past, and I didn't expect her to do so this time. And go back and look at her early fights. Yo, she looked like the number 11 getting it cracking. She looked like a stick figure who can whoop ass. But since she's moved down to American top team over the last three years, the strength coach down there is phenomenal. The proof is in the pudding, man. My man has receipts. Look at everybody who he's training down there. Joanna's one of them, and she is packed on so much more muscle. She's also fought up at 125, but now she's back to 115. Truly, she's one of these athletes that could realistically be considered in one of those, like she's a tweener, right? A little too small for 115, even though she's a five-time champion with the added muscle tone, but she's not quite big enough for 125. If there was like a 121 weight class or something along those lines, she would be perfect there, but she's not. And she's in there. So everybody's saying, oh, it was the boob job. And yes, yes, she went from having a couple bee stings to something a little bit more substantial. <laughs> I'm not going to stunt. It's evident. If you haven't had an opportunity, go and look at, not in a creepy way, people, but just an observation. Check out her IG page. And you can see, hey, little mama's got some work in. Just saying. Regardless. That with the muscle mass that she's added is the only issue. And you can see that that's one of the major changes that she's made. But that wasn't the only thing. Yes, size and strength is a huge component to her game now. But even she said that, yo, I want to get back to what made me great and get back to the basics. And I thought about it and I looked at it and I was saying, well, okay. She says she wants to, and this was leading up to the fight. She said she wanted to get into, you know, make sure her kickboxing was right and everything. Um, and everyone, after they saw the fight, said, oh, the boogie woman is back. 
And if I haven't said it already, obviously, people, Yoani and Jacek wins a unanimous decision against Michelle Waterson. Beat the brakes off for man. This was a dominant win. This wasn't even close. I can't lie. Leading up to this fight, I was torn. I was super torn. I had no idea because of one, Joanna's lost three out of her last four, but then we have to take into account who she's lost to. She lost two to Rosanama Yunus, who was the champion at the time for the championship. The second fight, I actually had Joanna winning. And then she went up and waited and fought a very closely contested fight against arguably the greatest female fighter in the world in Valentina Shevchenko. Another one of my favorite female fighters of all time. So you have her fighting this and now she's back to her weight class. She's back getting busy. And again, we're looking at it and saying, is she back? Right. So we looked at the three and four. So I understand why a lot of people were torn on this. But stylistically, when they stood in the cage next to each other, yo, the size different was apparent. It was huge. And she made sure to use literally every bit of that height and reach. Um, not only is she huge for the weight class, again, she utilizes And one thing that she used to do a lot, and this is one thing that I noticed, because in terms of her becoming, or she's back, right, to the boogie woman, you have to look at her style initially she's always been somebody with high volume but i always remember her being specifically a especially someone who is such a high level kickboxer she always used her boxing everything was in boxing range she was used to throw just darting and stabbing jabs to the body really put you out by sitting pretty much flat-footed and laying bombs she didn't attack legs nearly as much. We can go back and look at her fights, some of her early fights in the UFC. And if we look at, for instance, the, the level of like where the percentage of shots were landing, it usually was somewhere around the lines of 55%, you know, uh, head, 45% body, and then like 2% were, were for the legs. So this upcoming fight, she showed a wrinkle in her game that I have not seen for her, but really, really, she utilizes better than anybody else. She finally used her kickboxing. She finally was, and, and there's a huge difference in two types of kickboxers, right? You have the Israel Adesanyas who are out there who, again, he slides. He's more, a little bit more flat-footed. He'll scope you from the outside, and then he slides. There's no bounce to his game. Yoana really had a really good bounce. And then with her bounce, her being that she was extremely light-footed, she was able to really attack the legs. She attacked the legs. She attacked the body. She attacked the head. She literally took care of all three components of the game. And then she literally landed. It was like 33% for all of them. Crazy. So she's extremely active. She keeps coming forward. And honestly, Michelle Waterson didn't have anything to truly offer her at that point in time. She had a couple moments. I'm not going to say the Karate Heidi didn't have a couple moments because she did. She was able to take Joanna's back a couple times in the fight. But Joanna, being the more physically imposing athlete, literally just shook her off and landed in her own takedowns. 
So this is another new wrinkle in our game that we can actually anticipate and something that we could actually see. Um, just bring up the stats to give you guys a little bit of a an idea of how this actually happened, right? Fam, in the fight, Yawanda landed 43% of the shots to their head, 20% of the shots to the body, 36% of the shots to the legs. That is one of the most varied, varied striking numbers that you will see out of any fighter. What are you supposed to do as a competitor when literally everything that you try to block, the other person is taking advantage of it? I'm taking away my legs, they're hitting me to the body. I'm taking away the body, they hit me to my face and my legs. Oh, and then let's also talk about the striking numbers and the volume. Yo, this is round by round. She lands 31 strikes out of uh, in the first round. Michelle Waterson, 11. Second round, she lands again, 34 strikes. Michelle Waterson, 15. Round three, 36 out of 56 strikes. Michelle Waterson only landed seven, seven strikes. In the fourth round, she has her biggest round. She lands 46 out of 78 strikes for 58%. Michelle Waterson, only 12. In the fifth round, she lands a more 33 more shots to Michelle Waterson's 13. You are not going to win fights if your opponent is doubling and tripling it up. Her strike differential is incredible. She throws over six strikes per minute. Only person that throws better than that is like Justin Gaethje. But the difference between her and Justin Gaethje, Justin Gaethje, for those of us who don't know, he is one of the contenders, former champion at WSOF. He is one of the top five guys right now in the UFC's super stacked lightweight division. One of the princes of violence, right? My man is extremely violent. He comes out there. But the difference between him and Yoana is that, yes, he throws in almost 10 shots per, per minute. But the difference is he absorbs more than he actually takes. So he pretty much bets on his power. He's like, look, I'm going to get you tired. I'm going to absorb shots and I'm going to put you down. Yoana says, look, that's cool, homie. But at the end of the day, what I'm about to do is I'm going to beat the shit out of you and I'm not going to get hit in return. And that's how she wins these fights. She's incredible. And then when you really go back and think about it, you start looking. Who deserves the title shot? As of right now, she's ranked number four in the division. Ahead of her, you have Jessica Andrade, who Yoana already thoroughly destroyed. Terrible matchup for Andrade. The number two ranked person is Rose Namunis. She's lost twice, but we have no idea if Rose is coming back. But the trilogy, especially if you want to get the chip again, will be extremely interesting. And then this is the, the wrenching, which would be Tatiana Suarez, who's the number three ranked young lady in, this, in the division. Super incredible. The best wrestling, the best ground and pound it at 115 pounds. The problem is she's out for who knows how long. She was actually even recently on the Ariel Hawani show this week. And that's the thing. I think Yoana should get the title shot. Yes, she's ranked number four, but matchup wise and whoever has a, an opponent, we don't know. Yes, she has a banged up foot. And if you haven't had an opportunity to see Yoana's foot, fam, elephant man. 
that joint looks huge. It really does. She broke her foot in the third round and continued throwing that same leg. Crazy. Go check out it. I'll actually put it on the uh, my IG story so you can see it uh, for the fight podcast. But yo, it is going. It is nuts. How much toughness she showed. But again, she'll be back sooner than later. And the fact that she's coming back sooner than later, people were thinking, well, who's going to get the title shot? Her or Tatiana Suarez? Well, even Tatiana Suarez herself tells Ariel Hawani that she acknowledges that it would make more sense if Ioane and Jacek was next in line to fight for the strawweight title. Fam, that's from her competitor. She understands, one, the business. Ioana is one of the biggest stars in the UFC. Before she took her losses to Rose Namajunas, she had five title defenses in a row, and the UFC was already making her, putting her up to be the next Ronda Rousey. They had her on Ronda Rousey's undercards, specifically so she can get that rub. So people still know her name. People still understand who she is, and she sells. And now you have the opportunity for a Poland-China matchup. Huge, rabid fan base in the Polish uh, individuals. She wants to have this fight, especially if um, uh, Xi, the champion there at 115 pounds straw weight, doesn't get her visa issues fixed to come to the U.S., they can literally do a stadium show in Poland early 2020. That would be incredible. And you can sell that. And that's the UFC also getting back into that market. It makes total sense. Tatiana Suarez acknowledges it. And that is thoroughly what I believe should happen next, man. Salute to Ioana and Jacek. And look, in terms of Michelle Waterson, I don't know where she goes from here. She's had amazing wins in her career. She is an atom weight champion. That's 105 pounds in Invicta, which is one of the top or the only all-female promotion in the world. And it is one of the top ones. They have amazing athletes there. She was the champion there. She's beaten Jessica Penne. She's beaten some of the best women in the world. But will she become the champion in the UFC? And I'm going to be honest with you, unless she ends up, get, they get a 105-pound atomweight division, Michelle Waterson will not win a title for the UFC. She won't. Stylistically, they're terrible matchups for her. Tatiana Suarez will probably outgrapple her. Rose Namajunas has already beaten her. Ioana and Jacek destroyed her. I don't know. I don't know what to do, man. Um, she says she has a lot of fight left, but a lot of people are starting to talk about retirement. And if that's the case, I wouldn't be mad. She's one of the OG OGs of the sport. And uh, all the way from Bully Beatdown with Mayhem Miller back in the day, she's an absolute dog. Um, great person, great for the sport. I hope she continues, but if she chooses not to, I get it. All right, co-main event. Cub Swanson, Killer Cub against Crone Gracie. This was a really highly anticipated fight. Crone Gracie is undefeated. Obviously, the Gracie name carries a lot of tout in MMA. But not only is he a Gracie, he is Hickson Gracie's son. 
Hickson Gracie, if you haven't seen him already, you do not know who he is. He is arguably the most famous of the Gracies. He was known as the best of all of them. Crone is his son, and Crone is just as devastating on the ground. His jujitsu is super elite, elite elite, the best. He's won all the major grappling titles, and now he's over here in the UFC. Cub Swanson, four-fight skid, granted. Who is he fighting against? Yo, Money was fighting against all the top guys in the division. So the fact that he was getting scuffed isn't, it is what it is. So when I first heard about this matchup, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I didn't understand it. Crone doesn't even have 10 pro fights. He's only had one fight in the UFC. Why throw him to the Wolves? Build his name. But they didn't feel that that was necessary. So they give him Cub Swanson. Cub needs to win. Cub has not won a fight since he's become a father. Fam got three kids now. It's been rough. It has been a rough couple years for Cub Swanson. He needed to get off the schneid. What happened? He goes out there and, man, honestly, these boys put on a show. He looked amazing. He looked sharp. He did exactly what I expected him to do. Uh, strike from the outside. Keep Crone out there. Make it difficult for Crone to take him down. I believed if he did this, he'd be able to win easily. On the other side, I thought if Crone can get him down, Crone could also win easily. Little caveat, little backstory for you guys. 15 years ago, Crone Gracie and Cub Swanson went at it at a jiu-jitsu tournament. Crone won. Cub calls bullshit. So he wanted this to make up for that fight. Now, go back the other way. What's happening in this fight? Fight starts off. Crone is out there hitting them with just monster shots. Walking, um, moving around, landing big shots. In fact, significant strikes were 135 to 86. All right. They were just going back and forth, back and forth. Um, Cub Swanson, what can I say? He went out here. He did what he was supposed to do. He landed 135 out of 288 strikes in comparison to Crone Gracie, who landed 86 out of 200 strikes. Yes, they are both mid 40% with their strikes. But if we look at, for instance, the strikes by round, right? First round, and this is only a three-round fight. Three-round fight, excuse me. 23 out of 19, 23 uh, out of 60, 19 out of 58. Again, these are close. 53 out of 99, 36 out of 78. Again, very close. 59 out of 129 versus, this is the big differential, 31 out of 64. Cub Swanson won this fight unanimous decision. Should it have been unanimous decision? Yeah. In terms of being the score of, you know, 30-27, mm, I'm not sure. Crone Gracie, for some reason, believes that he won the fight. I don't know. What's up with my man? Um, in fact, Crone Gracie said, I won the fight. Look, bro. It was 
he lost. The only thing I'll say is that, look, man, this Cub is tough as shit. Not Cub. Uh, Crone is tough. I think the UFC didn't do many favors. I think they should have gave him a more favorable matchup and built him up. But at the end of the day, man, Crone's not going to sit there and fight nobodies. And at the same time, these bums aren't going to fight Crone Gracie. He's a Gracie. He's a big name. So what happens next? Cub Swanson's back in the mix. Congratulations to him, right? Good. In terms of Crone Gracie, what should be done? Give him a winnable fight. But what should Crone do? Crone, you're the best in the world in jiu-jitsu. We all know that. And now we know you're tough as shit because, yo, Cub was hitting my man with some huge body shots. And you know what, man? And here's the thing that we want to talk about, too. In terms of um, the, the shots he took and, and this guy. And, and speaking of that, really quick, I want to let you guys know each and every week, man, the show is brought to you guys by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meals and fitness mentoring. They're a healthy meal and fitness mentoring company here in Chicago, but they actually do a lot of stuff in terms of putting your workouts together, fitness mentoring. Anyone in the world can do that with Sage Eats. Check out sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 10% off of your first three months, man. So check them out. Wanted to do the plug in the beginning, but ah, it happens, man. Um, So in looking at what happens there, Crone is tough. Gritty, he's tough. He lands huge shots. But at the end of the day, if he does not increase his striking he does not get better at we all know he wants to get to the ground but look man i'll be honest with you guys if you cannot sit there and actually utilize your striking to get into position to get a takedown and you're just going in there blindly trying to shoot or blindly trying to pull guard these but higher level guys like cub swanson are going to tear you apart Will he be fun to watch? Yes. But at the end of the day, Crone Gracie should be one of the best guys in the sport. Give him solid boxing and come in there with a better game plan, bro. Like, seriously, that was a shitty game plan. <laughs> it was. Um, all right, man. What else do we have on the menu for today? Uh, today on this menu, man, we still have, uh, look, Nico Price. Nico Price and James Vick. Nico Price, uh, this is a welterweight fight. He ended up getting um, a knockout of the night or a performance bonus. Nasty knockout of James Vick, man. And James Vick, this is something that, this was his first fight up at welterweight, and this is something that really hurt my heart. First fight at welterweight, he goes out here. Um, after starting 9-1 and one in the UFC, again, his record originally in the UFC was 9-1, and one. Now he is on a four-fight losing streak. And then three of them are brutal knockouts. Justin Gaethje, brutal first-round knockout. Got beat down by Paul Felder, another monster at the UFC's 155-pound weight class. And then he goes out there and fights my man's from last week and got thoroughly mopped. And Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker knocked him out in the first round also. So now they go out there and give him Nico Price. Great name. Nico's my dog's name. Love that name. Uh, so Nico Price goes out here. Um, back and forth a little bit in the first round. Yo, nasty up kick. If you haven't heard it, you need to. You can hear this man's teeth click together. 
Ugh. Goes out, man. Takes a little ground to pound. Fights over. Yo, Nico Price is arguably the most exciting guy in the welterweight division. He is never not in a big moment. It's crazy. From beating Curtis Millander up under, or should I say Randy Brown, with those crazy hammer fists from the bottom, to landing this up kick against uh, James Vick. This dude is dangerous everywhere. He's gritty. He's definitely one of those guys that lives by the sword, dies by the sword. Great win for him. In terms of what happens next for James Vick, I'm going to be honest with you guys. He's going to get his walking papers. Even, for instance, Brennan Schaub on the uh, Below the Belt uh, podcast said as such. In his own words, he's like, you cannot make this up. After you sit there and you get four losses in a row, the UFC is a big business and you got to go out there and do what, he do, do what you do. And if you're not doing that, you're going to lose and you're going to get kicked out. They give him his walking papers. And that's exactly what I expect to see happen, man. Um, other notables in this fight card, Mackenzie Dern gets beat by Amanda Ribas. Uh, this is her first fight back after having birth, man. She had a baby four months ago and she took a fight with a really dangerous Amanda Ribas. Um, look, man, Mackenzie Dern's striking is doo-doo. She is not well-rounded. Okay, she lunges with big shots. Um, and if she does not improve her striking, she is only going to be a novelty act. This is the same thing that I have to say about Chrome Gracie. Hate to say this, guys. Jiu-jitsu, and again, I'm gonna go back to Brennan Shaw. You could listen to his last episode of the of uh, Below the Belt. No plug. Not even a big fan of Buddy, but he made an incredibly big um, observation, which I thoroughly agree with. Out of the major, and I'm going to talk about this later on this week in our fight news episode, but out of the major combat sports, if I have a specialty in wrestling, if I have a specialty in jujitsu, or I have a specialty in striking, which one do I want the most? Which one do I want the least in coming into MMA? Wrestling number one. Striking number two. And at the very far, way down the list, is jiu-jitsu, because everybody knows enough jiu-jitsu not to get caught, and at the end of the day, think about this, if I'm a wrestler, I dictate the pace of the fight, I, if I come in there with no fight experience, but I am a top-level wrestler, a la Ben Askren, a la Yoel Romero, right, these type of guys, I can go in there today and win fights, if I am a high-level striker, who is athletic enough and does not allow people to get to my legs, Israel Adesanya, for instance. Yoani and Jacek, for instance. I am going to make your life a living hell and put these yammers on your face. But if jiu-jitsu, check it out. If you are great at jiu-jitsu, but you're not prevalent in the other, like any of the other disciplines, you can't take me down because I know enough takedown defense to get you away from me. And if you can't strike with me, I'm just going to keep you on the outside and beat your ass. Exactly what Amanda Ribas did to Mackenzie Dern and exactly what Cup Swanson did to Chrome Gracie. Hate to, hate to agree with this dude, but Brandon Sharp said it best. Jiu-Jitsu is the lesser of all of them. Do you need to know it? Absolutely. Do you need to be a specialist in it? No. Not at all. 
And until Mackenzie Dern realizes that she needs to be one, more well-rounded, and two, coming in shape, because I hate to admit this, she never looks in shape to me. Yes, 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 I know. She just had a baby. I'm not sitting here crushing moms. I think it's incredible that she went out here and did her thing. But look, either she looks way too fat or way too skinny. And then her performances never actually fall into account. I'm not even trying to be mean. It's just reality. Mackenzie Dern isn't going to be what's up. She's not. She's not disciplined enough. I'm sorry. So, hey, maybe she can prove me wrong, but I don't think so. Um, look, going through, man, Eric Anders also gets a big win. Um, Luis Pena, in my opinion, mm, I think he got kind of, I don't want to say robbed, but he definitely, I thought, won the fight against Matt Friola. And um, again, all in all, this is a really interesting fight. One aspect I do want to talk about, okay, was the fight between uh, Mike Davis and Thomas Gifford. This fight ended in a KO with 15 seconds left to the very first third round. But before that happened, Mike Davis was putting on a show. Mike Davis, for those of us who do not know, made a name for himself fighting friend of the show, um, Sadiq Youssef at the Indy Contender Series. Both guys were highly touted. And uh, Mike Davis, this is his first fight on short notice in the UFC and went out there and beat the brakes off of Thomas Gifford. But this brings into my question, right? How much is too much? This was definitely one of those fights where somebody was getting that ass whooped. Thomas Gifford was taking shots that, and here's the thing, we're talking about it in in boxing recently. There's been deaths and things like that in boxing. Because people are taking far too much punishment. Referees need to be in there to protect the athletes. If you are getting shot, Michael Bisbee, credit to him, was calling it out the entire broadcast. Saying that he is taking far too much punishment. People outside of that were agreeing with him. And and guess what? So do I. No reason that man should have been knocked out the way he was at at the end of the fight. And there's no reason he should have been in there in the first place. The referee's got to do their job. And here's the thing. We know that the referee didn't do a great job because he was scheduled to referee other fights in this card. This was early in the prelims. He was scheduled to fight or to ref again. Guess what? They took him off. Because he did a shitty job. We need to get better referees in this sport. We need to get better judges. If not, we're going to have deaths in MMA just like we do in boxing. Um, all right, moving right along, um, uh, sliding down today's menu, we're also going to talk about, obviously, one centennial. Good God. What a, what a card. What two cards. We had in this card, I mean, multiple championship level fights. We had champions from here, champions from there. The, the original fight card started at 10 p.m. Central here in Chicago, um, and then it continued going. It was in Tokyo. All in all, it was 13 hours of fights. You had Demetrius Johnson going out there and getting a W, winning the the featherweight Grand Prix, right? So he has 135 pounds. He's the Grand Prix champion now. He is going to go out there and fight the champ. Congratulations. Or should I say flyweight? I'm sorry. He went out there, did his damn thing. 
looked incredible doing it. Demetrius Johnson is, if he hasn't always been, he still is one of, if not the greatest mixed martial artists of all time. And he continues to prove that on a day-to-day basis. The fact that now he is going to Japan and doing it, and out of his three fights this year, he hasn't fought three times since 2013. The fact that he did it again this year, he said this was by far his best performance. He's been fighting some sicknesses while he's been going over there, but he's happy, he's accustomed, and now he's doing work. Demetrius Johnson is the man. Also on this card, An Lang Sang fought Brendan Vera for the 205-pound title, and this fight was a masterpiece. Good God, what a war. Both dudes went out there, did work, back and forth action. Brandon Vera ends up getting knocked out, or should I say TKO'd by Alang Sang in the second round. Please look that fight up. Amazing job. Both these men are legendary. Great job. Angela Lee, the 24-year-old, I believe. Um, great win by her. She she retains her belt. Huge star from one. She's from Hawaii. Her and her brother, Christian Lee. Christian is the actually lightweight champion at 21 years old. He is a lightweight champion for one. Eddie Alvarez, the underground king, the original. I'm the actual underground king. We got to let that be known, right? <laughs> so the fact that the other underground king had to pull out the champion with less than two or 10 days notice takes this fight against a really tough guy, gets a finish, Great win. He is one of the best fighters in the sport under 25 years old, man. What a beast. What a beast. Great win there. One of my favorite, if not the greatest kickboxer of all time, Giorgio Petrosian, goes out there and gets a huge win, wins the featherweight 145-pound belt, kickboxing belt that they have there. Also won a cool milli. Ugh. A million, a million, bro. He went out there and got a million dollars for beating the shit out of this one dude. Great fight, great action there. And um, and all in all, man, look, amazing fight card. Two amazing cards. I stayed up all night. I was drinking coffee and and smoking sativas. Fam, I was out here trying to stay up. <laughs> so I'm over here watching these fights. Uh, they were up to about seven o'clock in the morning here. Amazing, amazing weekend of fights. Man, one championship. If you have not had an opportunity to check them out, their production, their what they're doing here in the States now with TNT is incredible. This is martial arts at its best. You see kickboxing. You see Muay Thai with small gloves, which is terrifying. You have regular kickboxing. You have um, MMA. Dude, this is an incredible organization incredible athletes and they continue putting on amazing amazing shows salute to um to everyone involved over there misha tate rich franklin uh chittery i'm sorry i know i mispronounced his name the ceo and founder and president over there they have done such an amazing job one championship honestly is my favorite organization right now they're fun the athletes are incredible what they're doing is great Salute to them, man. All right, uh, moving right along in today's menu, uh, we have to talk about uh, uh, Alexander Usyk gets a W. Um, he ends up stopping, or should I say his opponent did not um, answer the stool heading into the seventh round. Look, great win by Usyk. He's trying to call out individuals like um, 
<laughs> Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua. Look, that's great. If he does end up fighting these guys, I thoroughly think he's undersized at this point in time for the weight class. I think all those guys beat the shit out of him. I'm not going to lie to you. He's great. Um, this fight was in Chicago. It was an amazing event. Um, in fact, gentleman who was on the show, friend of the show, fam, uh, Derek Baker was the a cornerman and a um, and there for Jessica McCatskill, the WBC uh, champion, super lightweight champion, women's champion, went out there and defended her belt. Um, not going to say it was a great fight because her her opponent wanted no smoke, none whatsoever. One of the softest, softest um, fighters I've ever seen, man. I'm extremely disappointed for Jessica because she did not get an opportunity to go out there and really show showcase her skills. This opponent was scared from the jump. And this is from directly from the strength coach's mouth. I was there. He told me about it. He was like, I've never been in there with a person who is more intimidated of their opponent than Jessica's opponent today. He was like, I can't. He was like, this is awful. They're like, what's the purpose of fighting if all you're going to do is hug? And that's exactly what happened. Regardless, Jessica gets the win. Congrats to her. Now we're looking big. I'll talk more about boxing later on um, this week with you guys. Obviously, my man's Brandon Camille will be back this week. Um, but all in all, man, great weekend of fights, man. A lot of fun. A lot of big fights. Um it's it's a fight fans dream man weekends like this great organizations pfl was also kayla harrison and pfl also got a w this week man what more can i say what more can i say okay uh <laughs> yo bullshit on the side i could actually sing a little bit just throwing it out there but uh look all in all man Great weekend. We have a lot coming up for you guys this upcoming week. I have a big partnership that I am about to announce for you guys. We'll be having a show uh, this week to talk about it and uh, so much more. I love you guys as always. This is Serge Vicente. Remember, listen to the Fight Podcast each week. Everywhere podcasts are available. If you hadn't had an opportunity already, yo, tell your friends. Tell everybody because this is the best combat sports and culture show in the in the world. Not just the world, in the universe. And Surge is the underground king. I'm the best at this. So let everybody know. Check us out. Listen to the Fight Podcast. We're everywhere podcasts are available. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Let your friends share everything, man. We're also everywhere um, on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast. People, thank you so much. You guys have been communicating with me on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Check us out there. And with that being said, oh, last but not least, Sage Eats. Always a salute to our sponsors, Sage Eats, man. I appreciate you guys. Check them out, sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 10% off your first three months. Yo, this has been episode 149, Weekend Recap. I'm your host, Serge Vicente, the underground king. And I'll holler at y'all next time, man. Deuces! Deuces!